Welcome to the AFP Report. This is your host, John Friend. Today is Friday, October 27th, 2023. The AFP Report is a podcast series where I will be interviewing reporters and contributors to American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, as well as other special guests. Please consider subscribing to the newspaper if you are not already. Subscription details can be found at AmericanFreePress.net. And today I'm joined once again by Phil Giraldi, a regular contributor to American Free Press and one of America's leading foreign policy experts. All right, Phil Giraldi, welcome back to the program, sir. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me once again. You are one of America's leading foreign policy experts and geopolitical analysts, and you are also a longtime and regular columnist for American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. You also are a regular contributor to the UNS Review, which is one of the leading alternative news sites on the Internet. And we have a lot to discuss today regarding this ongoing conflict in the Middle East and this alleged surprise Hamas attack against Israel, which was launched from the besieged Gaza Strip on Saturday, October 7th, so just about three weeks ago today. Um, You wrote a feature article in the most recent issue of American Free Press, issue 43 and 44, which is actually going to the printer right now as we speak and will be mailed out next week. This issue includes a special 12-page pull-out report titled Spotlight on Palestine, and we've got a number of important articles focusing on the situation in Gaza and Palestine more generally the history of this long-running conflict, and some recent developments. So it's a, it's a very interesting and very important special report, I think. Um, let me first off just encourage our listeners to consider subscribing to the newspaper if they are not already. American Free Press truly is America's last real newspaper. We are a bi-weekly national print and digital publication presenting information and tackling taboo topics from an independent populist and America First Perspective. So check out AmericanFreePress.net for subscription details and pick one up today if you are not already subscribing. So, Phil, as I said, there is a lot to get into here today. First off, I'd like to just get your overall assessment of the situation in Gaza and Israel. We have heard all sorts of very dubious tales of Hamas terrorists beheading children and, excuse me, brutally murdering and kidnapping innocent civilians, and even raping women. Um, What do you make of this reported surprise attack on Israel launched from the Gaza Strip by Hamas fighters on October 7th, which has ultimately resulted in Israel mounting a, I mean, seemingly indiscriminate bombing campaign against Gaza with threats to actually invade the Gaza Strip itself, drawing, you know, of course, you know, they're trying to get America involved in this conflict, Almost immediately, there were reports claiming that Iran was involved and had sponsored Hamas. Um, Now, of course, they've been targeting civilian infrastructure, including hospitals and schools and refugee camps and so on. So what's your overall assessment? I mean, was this a surprise attack? Well, I I think it depends on who was surprised. Um, My feeling is, and it's grown stronger, ever since it, uh, the event took place, is that this was well known to the Israeli government and to the Israeli leadership, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, 
And it was allowed to happen to create a situation where uh, Israel will be able basically to uh, wipe out the Gaza Strip. And that's what we, we see going on right now. The bombing is, uh, they claim, discriminate, but it certainly has hit hospitals, it has hit uh, schools, it has hit a lot of centers that most attackers would avoid because, if, apart from anything else, it's, it creates a, a very bad impression to the world community looking on. Uh, and Israel has, has really, I think, suffered from um, uh, this very much uh, because they let this happen in the way they've let it happen. So I think it was deliberate. Uh, I think they, they were a bit surprised at how effective the attack by Hamas was. Uh, the, the count on, uh, on deaths, you know, it depends on who you're listening to, but um, everyone seems to agree there were between 13 and 1400 deaths on the Israeli side. And uh, now we have something like uh, uh, approaching 8,000 deaths including 2,000 children uh, on the uh, Palestinian side. So it's a it's the kind of story where everything is being spun. It's being spun particularly by the U.S. media. If you go to the Wall Street Journal or New York Times and and, and Washington Post, it's shocking what they're saying. I mean, they, they have embraced thoroughly the Israeli view that Palestinians are nothing but um, uh, terrorists and animals. Uh, and this, of course is a self-serving story uh, for the Israelis. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that immediately struck me was looking at mainstream reporting and even, you know, the response from people like Benjamin Netanyahu and other Israeli leaders was they were immediately describing this as Israel's 9-11 and how everything would change as a result of this attack. Now, of course, there have been other reports which appear to be confirmed, at least from what I can tell, that, um, like, for example, Egyptian intelligence had been warning Israel that Hamas was planning some sort of incursion or some sort of response. And, and we got to go back and, and, and talk about the context, because from what I understand, this this Hamas attack or incursion into Israel was largely a response to Israeli aggression in the Holy Land, in, in you know, in, in, in Jerusalem and at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, for example. And, you know, of course, this has been going on for a very long time. In fact, in, in a previous issue of American Free Press, we wrote a piece about – or we published a piece about how um, a lot of these Orthodox Jews, including children even, are like literally spitting on Christians in the Holy Land, you know, in, in, in at some of these holy sites. And, you know, this has you know been a long-running issue how totally mistreated the Christian and Muslims are in, you know, in Israel itself by Israel and, and, and by these Jewish extremists. So, um, I mean, e even the response itself from Hamas, this alleged uh, surprise attack, was largely a result of Israeli aggression in the region. And it seems like Israel did know that this was in the works. And, you know, it's not it's not clear to me exactly if they let it happen or wanted it to happen to justify this, you know, this uh, basically genocidal policy in Gaza that we're seeing unfold right now. I wanted to actually quote briefly from your piece. Um, you say here. Drawing on my own experience as a former on-the-ground intelligence officer, I am somewhat convinced that this was likely more like a false flag operation than a case of institutional failure on the part of Israeli intelligence or the army. Israel had an extensive electronic and physical wall backed by soldiers and weaponry that completely surrounded Gaza on the landward side, 
so effective that it was claimed that not even a mouse could get in. The Mediterranean side of Gaza was also tightly controlled by the Israeli navy, and boats to and from Gaza were completely blocked. Egypt tightly controlled the southern part of Gaza, bordering on the Sinai, and you also note that Gaza was basically under 24-7 complete surveillance and control at all times. And of course, you know, Israel has this extensive network of informants and operatives operating both in Gaza and in the occupied West Bank, um, basically monitoring the situation. So I have a very hard time believing that this was a genuine surprise attack that totally caught Israel off guard. It seemed like a perfect justification for Netanyahu and these other very hardline extremist Zionist fanatics that are part of his administration, you know, to sort of justify their new, it was like basically their Pearl Harbor, their new Pearl Harbor. And I've even heard that invoked in, in, in press coverage of this. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, This is the, the, the word game that's being played to uh, elevate this to the point where uh, the Israelis and their friends here in the United States uh, will be able to spread the story that this was richly deserved by the Palestinians. And if they get exterminated in the process, hey, that's, that's just too bad. Uh, and I would add uh, to the, what, you, what you mentioned, the evidence to suggest that this was planned, uh, the fact that even the U.S. intelligence conveyed to Israeli intelligence and personally to Netanyahu that, uh, that something like this was coming. And uh, so we, we have all that evidence. And uh, the thing that triggered the actual attack by Hamas was, as you mentioned, an incident at the Al-Aqsa Mosque in, uh, in Jerusalem, which is the third holiest site for, for Muslims. And this was uh, basically a riot by uh, armed settlers who uh, were, took over the site, basically, and they were beating up on the Palestinians who were worshiping there. And, uh, and after that happened, that's when the, the Hamas people got the go-ahead or came up with the, we've got to stop this. And that's when they initiated uh, planning, the final planning for their incident. And so, you know, it's like it seems to fit all together that this was this was a, a done deal. Whether you want to call it a, a false flag or whether you want to call it just the, the way uh, Israelis behave in general. Well, it's, it's kind of it's up to the nuance. Right. Exactly. Well, and, and, and like I mentioned, I mean, there's a long a long history of not only this conflict, but just the, the, the oppression of Palestinians, of Christians, of Muslims in the Holy Land, in Jerusalem, of course, in Gaza, in the occupied West Bank and other parts of, of historic Palestine. Um, I want to get your take on the international community's response to this situation. Um, I wrote a piece in the special report about the UN's response, for example, in the broader international community. And the UN Human Rights Council has described the Israeli government as engaging in a, quote, systematic campaign of crimes against humanity against Palestinians in Gaza following Israel's response to this alleged surprise attack. And it seems like Russia and China and their BRICS allies largely appear to be placing most of the blame for this conflict on U.S. foreign policy, which is blindly and unwaveringly in support of the Jewish state of Israel, no matter how outrageous or barbaric its 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 you know its actions are, 
How can the U.S. be viewed as an objective moderator in this long-running conflict when, for example, we have a Jewish Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, invoking his family's experience during the alleged Holocaust and openly invoking his Jewish identity when visiting Israel? I mean, how can the U.S. be objective when the president and virtually his entire administration blindly accept Israeli claims and narratives about this conflict, including these absurd, totally unsubstantiated, unverified claims about beheaded babies and you know brutal rapes and murders. I mean, this is all basically atrocity propaganda designed to gin up support for Israel that we just take at face value and run with and amplify in the media. And of course, Biden was invoking some of these claims and some of the statements that he's made. So, I mean, I, I guess my, my question is, how can anybody view us as this impartial, objective moderator of the conflict, which, I mean, has, has basically been the, the, the narrative coming out of U.S. media for decades now? I mean, we have a Jewish secretary of, secretary of state, not to mention a secretary of treasury and pretty much every other cabinet position, you know, openly invoking their, their Jewish identity and standing with the Jewish state of Israel. I mean, it's outrageous. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, it, and the fact is that uh, also going along with this process is a major effort to silence uh, any voice in the United States that's uh, supporting the Palestinians. We have in Florida where that awful DeSantis person is in charge. He's, uh, he's uh, uh, closed down Palestinian associations at the universities. And uh, he also has, has unilaterally from Florida sent weapons to Israel. And the United States government has been sending weapons to Israel. And they're, one, they're about to send $14 billion, which will pay for the whole war on behalf of Israel. And we are partners in war crimes. There's no other way to look at it. We are absolutely in it up to the eyeballs. Biden could have stopped this thing uh, on day two if he had really... Uh, use the leverage he has on Israel that he, of course, never exercises to uh, to set up an agreement for moving towards negotiations. And he didn't do that, just as he didn't do that in Ukraine. Uh, the man is, uh, shall I say, he's demented or uh, dementia, perhaps is a better word. I, we are in an awful situation now. We're, uh, we're one step away from this situation in the Middle East escalating. Uh, we attacked uh, uh, so-called Iranian targets yesterday, uh, and uh, we have troops illegally in Iraq and Syria, and uh, the, the situation in Ukraine is not going in any good direction either. So, uh, you know, what is going wrong in this country? I think that's the question we all should be asking ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Well, did you catch his speech, um, you know, his response to this? I mean, he visited Israel and then he came back and gave this primetime speech, which was very, very uninspiring and very unconvincing, in my opinion, basically making the case that America is this, quote unquote, exceptional nation. And we need to stand with stand with our allies in Israel and Ukraine to to stand up for democracy. Of course, he was denouncing um, Russian President Vladimir Putin and the Russian, uh, you know, invasion of Ukraine, and of course was describing Hamas as terrorists whose sole purpose, I mean, literally, I think a direct quote from Biden was, Hamas's sole purpose was to murder Jews, as if that were like 
a realistic assessment of this legitimate, you know, resistance movement against Israeli oppression in the region. Um, I mean, it's just it's ridiculous the way these things are described and characterized by not only U.S. officials, but also the U.S. media. And I mean, I'm wondering, kind of getting back to like the, the international community's response, what do what are people in Russia and China and, and you know, these other increasingly um, more self-assertive nations around the world? What are they what is their response when they see Biden invoking, you know, American democracy and standing standing for human rights uh, and, and, you know, supporting democracy around the world in Israel and Ukraine? I mean, is this rhetoric convincing anybody at this point? I mean, to me, it's just insulting, frankly. I think the only ones who are being convinced about this or through this are, are the idiots that we call the U.S. Congress, since they seem to be about 99 percent uh, on board this kind of talk. And uh, the, the, the other issue which you just mentioned is that Biden keeps insisting that we are defending democracy around the world. I mean, this is absurd right on the surface. Uh, Ukraine is the most corrupt country in Europe and has been for years. And Israel is not a democracy at all. It's only a democracy uh, if you're Jewish. And that is not the definition of democracy. So we have all this nonsense flying out there. I don't think the American public is, is necessarily buying it. But since all they hear coming from our media and from our government is, is this, this tissue of lies, uh, a lot of people are saying, well, it must be true. The government, the New York Times are saying it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also, I mean, there, pe people are, are looking and, and hearing and seeing the way, I mean, even top Israeli leaders are talking about this situation, calling Hamas and the Palestinian people literal animals and describing them as, as, as bloodthirsty terrorists who just murder innocent civilians uh, and, and, and hate Jews irrationally, as if there's no context to this conflict. And, and there's there's nothing that would justify, you know, their their I don't even I don't even necessarily call it aggression, but just their response to Israeli oppression. I mean, there's no context. It's all just described as uh, you know blind hatred of Jews. You know, and of course we've been seeing all these reports come out of uh, like the Anti Defamation League, for example, which are then amplified and run with in the mass media about how anti-Semitism is rising. There was this major. I mean, you had talked about what's going on on college campuses with some of these pro-Palestinian activist groups and, and and just people that are supporting Palestine and they're being doxxed and you know they're losing their jobs and they're potentially being kicked out of university simply for taking a very legitimate and rational stance in support of Palestine yeah and and beyond that the uh, all the instruments that are forced by the state are, are beginning to be be used against people who are trying to uh, give the alternative view about uh, supporting the Palestinians and what they've been through. And uh, yesterday there were demonstrations in New York. They were broken up by the police. And I, I gather they made hundreds of arrests. You can't even protest. Now, if, uh, there have been Israeli demonstrations in New York, and nobody's bothering with them. Right, this is the, the typical um, two-way stretch in terms of how uh, the media and the government and at all levels have been manipulated uh, by the very powerful Jewish lobby, uh, sometimes referred to as the Israeli lobby, uh, in this country. They have lots of money. They have lots of political access. 
and they're able to twist the story every way, every which way they want it to go. And that's that's what we're seeing play out here. Uh, the rest of the world is not necessarily buying into it because they're seeing more of the bigger picture. Uh, and of course, they don't trust the United States for very good reasons. So, you know, we'll see where this goes. But if this is a long, drawn out struggle uh, between uh, the Gazans and, his, and Israelis, uh, there are going to be a lot of people dying. And the fact yeah. that, uh, yeah, and, and the fact that the United States keeps vetoing uh, United Nations resolutions to try to get negotiations going uh, means that the U.S. is quite happy with seeing all these people die. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, that just lends credence to, to China and Russia's main claim that the U.S. is the is the leading instigator and facilitator of this conflict going back to the very founding of the Jewish state itself. And I mean, you know, even like the, the U.N. Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, who I'm, I'm frankly no big fan of, and he, he doesn't, to me, he doesn't come across as this, you know, Hamas supporting, you know, terrorist sympathizer or something. He's, from what I've seen in the statements that he's made, he's been sort of objective and is, is just attempting to de-escalate the situation. I mean, I, I, I quoted from that UN report where they're basically describing what Israel, you know, Israel's response as crimes against humanity, war crimes, basically a, a campaign of genocide. And this is like an objective assessment of, of what's been going on in Palestine for the past 50 or 60 years at least. Um, and yet, you know, it, it, Israel's ambassador to the UN was demanding that this man resign for his support, quote unquote, for Hamas. And so basically, like there's this stark divide between Israel and, and you know, their narrative of this conflict. And of course, the U.S., the U.S. government, the U.S. media, which basically just blindly accepts what Israel says versus the international community. I mean, the two perspectives could not be more divergent, it, it, it appears at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, and the, the real tragedy of all this is that there's no end game to it. I mean, you're just going to kill a lot of people, and this what what comes out at the other end is either we're going to have Gaza totally destroyed, 2.3 2 million, 2 million people uh <laughs> Uh, either dead or running, and uh, or you're going to have some kind of uh, arrangement again where Israel basically controls uh, what few people are allowed to to survive there, and and nobody wins. I mean this is uh, uh, this is this is madness, and the fact that our government, which which claims you know to be uh, such a, a force for good in the United States and in the world is really quite the reverse and this is a tragedy we you and i you know brought up in this country we saw we have seen now uh since 9-11 how our country has really gone off the rails and seeing itself as the uh, the world's policeman and that's maybe a nice way to refer to it because we've killed millions of people in asia uh for for no good reason and no good result and now we're doing the same thing again. Yeah, it's it's really outrageous. And, and I think this conflict, like like many other foreign conflicts, especially when we look at the situation in Ukraine, these conflicts are, are fundamentally fueled by U.S. foreign policy, whether it's our, our you know diplomatic policy or the economic aid and military aid that we give to the, you know, the Ukrainians or the Israelis 
Um, in, in fact, speaking of that, there's a couple other topics I want to I want to bring up here before we wrap up. America's uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who I should point out just also happens to be Jewish as well. Um, she recently stated that despite a $33 trillion federal deficit, the U.S. can, quote, certainly afford to stand with Israel and to support Israel's military needs. And we can also and must support Ukraine in its struggle against Russia. Phil, can the U.S. afford to continue to send money and weaponry to both Israel and Ukraine? How is this benefiting the American people and genuine U.S. national security interests in any way? It, it, it benefits them in no way. Uh, the American people basically, uh, did they elect Joe Biden so that they would have two wars? In fact, um, the comment uh, she made was could it actually be interpreted to include China. Right, and, yeah, Taiwan, that's, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're talking about three wars, we're not talking about two. And, and uh, I mean, this is an absurdity. These people uh, have not threatened us. The Palestinians have not threatened the United States. Uh, the Iranians have not threatened the United States. Uh, the, the Russians have not threatened the United States. And China does not threaten the United States. In fact, China is... Uh, is the the reason that we have any kind of uh, uh, economy at all in terms of the fact that they produce virtually everything we consume, and and, and this whole thing is is absurd. It's in their heads. And another thing that we should mention before was that uh, Blinken, when he was over in Israel, was was sitting in as a member of the Israeli War Cabinet, and and whenever the um, um, the circle around Prime Minister Netanyahu was meeting, he was, he was a, a member to hear this Jewish guy who cites the Holocaust and cites, uh, and, and actually citing the Holocaust in his family history inaccurately, um, basically is sitting in there uh, with a foreign government and he is participating in their decision making. So this is a, I mean, this has reached the point where it, it is, not just insanity, it's it's basically something is wrong with the way these people think. And, uh, yeah. Well, it's, it's, they can't, I mean, they're fundamentally driven by their Jewish identity, by their, their, their understanding and perspective of the, of the alleged Holocaust during World War II. I mean, even Merrick Garland recently was invoking his family's experience during the Holocaust and, and sort of how it motivated him and shaped his outlook on how he, approaches, uh, you know, his position as attorney general, which has been, you know, just one blatant crime spree, essentially, you know, where he's targeting political opponents and, and harassing conservatives and Donald Trump supporters. I mean, these people are fundamentally driven by their ethnicity, and yet we're, we're supposed to accept them as like legitimate, you know, American, you know, actors. They're not advancing American interests. They're advancing their own particular Jewish interests, frankly. And, they, and, and again, they're openly saying this in many cases. Yeah, well, I would throw a whole lot of other names in there, too. Mayorgas, the uh, home, Homeland Secretary, uh, basically has been in charge of our southern border. And he's playing out a, a typically kind of Jewish uh, game on the border in terms of letting all these people in. And then we have a Victoria Nuland. And, yeah, yeah it's just like it never ends. And basically... 
there is a compelling logic that drives them. And uh, uh, we've identified some of those things, like their hatred for Russia. Uh, and uh, and their, their hatred for Palestine, yeah. Hatred for, for, uh, for Muslims in general and Christians. And so this is, uh, this is something that comes out and comes out and comes out, but nobody wants to talk about it. Right, yeah, it's like the, the, the elephant in the room that, that needs to be addressed to really properly understand the way America pursues its foreign policy. I mean, how can we have an objective foreign policy when we have people like Anthony Blinken going over to Israel and literally sitting like in the war council with Israeli leaders, you know, formulating policy and talking about how we're going to provide un, unlimited diplomatic and military and financial support for this uh, genocidal policy against Gaza and against the Palestinians? Um, you know, one one last thing I want to get your take on, and this was something that I've been following from the very beginning. I mean, almost immediately following this alleged surprise attack by Hamas, there were all these very, very dubious, tall tales about atrocities being committed. I mentioned the 40 beheaded babies uh, that, that allegedly took place in this, uh, this like, kibbutz-type settlement uh, right outside of the Gaza Strip. All of this, of course, was unsubstantiated, totally unverified. It was basically just blindly accepted you know th th these claims were made by unnamed israeli uh m military people and um first responders and there was one guy in particular that was quoted in the original report who just just so happens to be this very rabid jewish extremist he was like a settler leader um and, and he was like the main source for these claims of the beheaded babies and of course there were other tales of you know, people being kidnapped. I think there actually were some people that were kidnapped, but I don't know if it exactly went down the way that the Jewish media and, you know, these, uh, you know, pro-Israel partisans have presented. Um, so I'm curious, what do you make of these atrocity claims? Of course, the Holocaust was invoked. There were all these reports about how this was the deadliest day for Jews since World War II and since the alleged Holocaust. To me, it just, it, it, it smacked of just outright atrocity propaganda, basically. Yeah, well, I absolutely agree with you. I think a lot of these stories were, were clearly, very clearly were made up. And, of course, there were some of the uh, hostages or, or hostages that have been released and also uh, some survivors, uh, uh, Jewish survivors of the incident itself, who said that the uh, Hamas people were, were treating the uh, civilians uh, uh, decently. <laughs> That story is, uh, you're not going to find that one in the Washington Post. Uh, this is just, a, you know, they have uh, a hold over the media, and this is true also in much of Europe, uh, which, which means that anything goes. You make up a story, you, you put it out there, and it makes Israel look good, and it makes the Arabs look bad. I, when, I was a, when I was in the CIA, uh, when I was in Turkey, in Istanbul, uh, I was in the loop at that time for intelligence that was being shared by friendly intelligence agencies throughout the region. And so I used to see a lot of Israeli in so-called intelligence. And I, I realized fairly quickly on that the uh, so-called intelligence was basically stuff that was made up to make uh, Arabs and Muslims look bad. And that's what passed for intelligence. Uh, th this is, so this is an old trick. Uh, and uh, well, we saw we saw that on vivid display in the lead up to the war in Iraq, where they were literally just making up claims about 
Saddam Hussein possessing or, or attempting to acquire weapons of mass destruction. And, of course, they tried to tie him to the anthrax attack and to 9-11 itself. I mean, that's all these people do is fabricate claims to justify their pre-concocted foreign policy aims. Yeah, absolutely. And that's and they're, I wouldn't say they're very good at it because the, these stories are, are, are so flawed that uh, if you thought about them uh, more than two seconds, you would uh, come to probably the right conclusion. But the fact is that they're, they're very... Uh, they're very energetic in terms of putting this stuff out, putting this stuff out. Anti-Defamation League, APAC, uh, the uh, uh, Jewish President's Organization, that kind of thing. They put all this stuff out and they all repeat the same stories because they're reading from the same script. And, and they're relentless. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And, and there's very little dissent, at least in the mainstream mass media which is why newspapers like American Free Press are so important. Websites like the UNS Review are so important. Um, before we wrap up, Phil, I just uh, was looking at the news this morning, and it looks like the U.S. has conducted a couple airstrikes on facilities used by Iran and its quote-unquote proxies in Syria. Um, and I also saw a report yesterday um, basically outlining how Israel had delayed its planned invasion of Gaza in order to allow the U.S. more time to sort of position itself in the region to help Israel, to, to potentially get involved itself, you know, should Iran or Hezbollah get involved in the conflict. So, I mean, this is quickly escalating. Um, of course, Biden and the U.S. government, led by people like Anthony Blinken, um, are, are just adding fuel to the fire, it seems. This could quickly spill out of control. Um, and, and, you know, Russia, of course, has military bases in Syria itself. And we've already seen this basically, you know, a proxy war being led um, by the U.S. against Russia in Ukraine. I mean, this is just total madness. How, do, do you see this de-escalating in, in the near future? Or is this only going to continue to spiral out of control given our totally insane leaders controlling this country at this point? Well, I would say the only way it will it will de-escalate is if the United States gets behind the effort, and I don't see any indication that that's going to happen. I uh, uh, people I talk to here in, in Washington very strongly believe that Biden really wants to ride these wars out until the election next year, and that way he comes across as a, a war leader. And uh, this is delusional, but the fact is they they are convinced that this is kind of his timetable. So the United States uh, will, in all probability, not take the lead or not work with China and Russia and others to de-escalate these situations and to get into negotiations. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, I, I just can't understand how anybody is buying what these liars are saying at this point. It's, the, 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 the lies are just endless and they're so obvious and, and insulting, frankly. That it, it's it's really baffling that they could have the nerve to get up there and, and just continue with these narratives. Um, and and I, I think you're ultimately right. Um, my, my heart and my prayers go out to the Palestinian people and even I mean, even the Israeli people. I mean, you know, they've I, I don't want to see anybody, you know, any innocent civilians or, or, or anybody in general, you know, have to go through something like this. But I think really the, the fundamental point that needs to be made is that all of this is driven by U.S. foreign policy in the region. Israel would not be acting in this way if it did not have the total and unwavering 
support of the entire U.S. federal government, including its treasury, including its military arsenal, including its military itself. I mean, I just mentioned how the U.S. is, is positioning, you know, cruisers in the region and, and, and stationing troops in the region to, you know, potentially get involved in this conflict. So we're only adding fuel to the fire. And um, it, it, it's tragic. It, it, it's very sad. But again, it's it's fundamentally driven by U.S. foreign policy. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. And uh, that's the real tragedy here. Yeah, well, we will certainly continue to follow the situation. As I said, my, my thoughts and prayers go out to the the people of Palestine, the innocent people in Israel. You know, I don't want to see anybody suffer and, and, and go through a conflict like, like this. And, you know, I just I, I hope and pray that cooler heads will prevail, although I'm very skeptical of that, given these in, insane monsters running our country at this point. So, Phil, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. As always, keep up the good work and have a great weekend. Okay, same to you. Thank you. Thank you, sir.